Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. A Washington Post story on Tuesday reported that Las Vegas water officials plan to tap into a vast network of aquifers in Nevada to support their ever-developing city. But Nevada farmers who depend on these aquifers won't stand for it. Tom Fiery, managing editor of Regulation Magazine, sorts out the dispute in today's podcast. Tell me what's been going on in Las Vegas. Well, as you know, everyone in the country is moving to Las Vegas. Apparently, we're all going to live there in the next five or ten years. But the city is, is exploding. It's been exploding in growth for at least a decade now. And what that means is, of course, Las Vegas is in the middle of a desert, so they need water. It's dry. There's people moving in. They need water to eat, water to, for food. They need water for their lawns. And they need water for, for industry and, and for retail. So they need lots of water in a place where there isn't any, and they're looking around the state trying to find some. They're looking specifically to northern Nevada, where there is a lot of groundwater. They want to build an aqueduct system to bring a lot of that water away from northern Nevada, which is very sparsely populated, into southern Nevada, into Las Vegas, to feed this intense demand. And it's creating a lot of fights. Why are we building on inefficient land? Why are we building in Las Vegas? That's a great question. Um, we, sh- we probably should interview the mayor. Uh, part of it, I guess, is because you know it is you know it has been for decades this great entertainment paradise. Well, suddenly a lot you know a lot of uh, corporations have come in there. It's no longer the mob running Vegas. It's now MGM and Disney and all these major uh, entertainment conglomerates who are really providing just a really nice way of life, especially for retirees or people who are in such a position in their life that they can move to a place like Vegas and. and and live. So why why are we moving there? I guess it's really an accident of history that now has just become very popular. Popular at the expense of the rural farmers. Similar water projects destroyed the Owens Valley in California, did they not? Well, that's what the fight is, and that's what the Washington Post article that you talk about in the introduction is about. Of course, there's this wonderful story, complete myth, as it turns out, but this wonderful story about Owens Valley in, in California that back in the very beginning of the 20th century uh, sold the rights to its water. The people there sold the rights to their groundwater, to their surface water, to Los Angeles. And Los Angeles built a huge aqueduct system, brought it into the city, and Los Angeles grew from what was then just kind of a mediocre-sized city into the large metropolis that it is today. All this this kind of American mythos has sprung up that uh, Owens Valley was raped. You see that word a lot when you read histories about this, that it's become this barren wasteland, uh, that it's become this horrible ecological disaster because it was destroyed by the big city slickers and that the, the poor farmers of Owens Valley got tricked into, into giving up all this wealth. Well, it ends up that uh, some historical research has been done recently by uh, Gary Leibkamp at uh, University of Arizona. And it ends up that a lot of this, matter of fact, pretty much all of it is a fiction. Uh, the deals that were struck between Los Angeles and the farmers in Owens Valley actually made those farmers considerable more amounts of money than what they were making off of their farms. Their farms themselves were not particularly productive. They mainly grew livestock because the, the ground itself was lousy for, uh, for crop cultivation. Uh, the farms were very small. They had very low um, incomes per year. So really, this was a situation where everyone prospered, where Los Angeles got the water that it needed to become a viable city and, and a very popular one, where the people in Owens Valley that basically were poor dirt farmers ended up a lot better off than they did. Now, it is true. If if you're someone who has a, an ecological ethos, you know, and I consider myself one of those, Owens Valley certainly seems a lot prettier in those old pictures than than it does now. It is it is much drier. It's not you know this horrid 
you know, wasteland that we sometimes get a sense of when we read about it. But, you know, it was prettier then than it is now. But is it overall a trade-off that benefited people? Well, it, it's hard to argue that it's not. I, I know Greens would counter that, but at least if you look at it economically, lots of people in Los Angeles are getting water and living good lifestyles. The people who were in Owens Valley ended up with much better lifestyles than they had. So if everybody ended up a winner in California, then why are the Nevada farmers so unhappy? Well, that's what's kind of upsetting about this Owens Valley myth. Because it's out there, it keeps putting this block on people who think about trading water rights. Oh, we don't want to become the next Owens Valley. But if you really look at the history of Owens Valley, everyone prospered. Everyone made out well. And, and Owens Valley itself didn't turn into some sort of super fun site. It just ended up you know, not having you know, these farmers there with, with their horses and their cattle. Um, Maybe that is a solution to the Nevada situation. What's going, what's really going down there is Las Vegas is trying to cut deals with the northern counties to buy up a certain amount of their water with, with various protections in place. And there's questions about whether the protections are good or not on how much water will be left behind in northern Nevada. They're really just in a negotiation. They're really trying to strike a deal. What protections are we going to put down to protect the people in northern Nevada? Also, what money will we give them to take this away? And, and to put a degree of risk, you know, whenever you move water from an ecosystem, there's always a degree of risk. But what is worthwhile? What is acceptable? What protections need to be put in place? And what we really are is just in the midst of a negotiating process. So we'll see where it goes. So is there a possible resolution to this dispute? Well, again, if they can find the right price, if they can find uh, an acceptable deal and acceptable protections, then I guess there will be a resolution. But what's interesting is there's this strange thing going on. And the Post article you cited quotes Hal Rothman, uh, who's a UNLV professor at the very end. And unfortunately, it's not a very flattering quote, but he's really exactly right. He talks about how what's really going on is we have this mythos of the farmer. We must protect the farmer. When really, historically, we've, we've given farmers, especially in the West, tremendous breaks. And I say this as someone who comes from a farm background. You know, we, we love the American farmer. We bend over backwards and give him breaks. And here's a case where we don't want to take anything from the farmer, but we should cut a deal. Whereas a few farmers there or a few people trying to stand behind the mythos of the farmer are trying to say, oh, we can't have any deal at all. So we'll see if that gets resolved, if that gets pushed aside. Can you say with confidence that there is a deal to be made that's going to make everybody better off without making anyone worse off? Oh, certainly not. You can never say that with confidence. But we'll see what happens. You know, what matters is if enough people think there is a deal to be made, then the political wheels start to turn. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.